Do you have an entrepreneurial spirit? Are you constantly thinking about how to create value and build new businesses? Are you trying to find innovative ways of doing business to replace old, outdated ones? If so, then this is the show for you. Hosted by me, Jimmy Gonzalez, and Devon Watts, two business startup coaches on with the knowledge that financial independence equals social independence. And our mission is to help you not just start a business, but scale it and keep it by providing the X's and O's of business creation and expansion. So join us as we share our experiences, tell stories of entrepreneurial success and failures, and break down lessons learned from sports entertainment. But don't worry, this is not a sports podcast. This is an uncompromising entrepreneur podcast. Welcome back to episode 81 of the Uncompromising Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, this is a show where we teach you what it takes to pursue purpose, create profits, and build a legacy. I am Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., also known as Coach Jimmy G. I'm joined by my co-host, Devon Watts Jr. Yeah. What's good? What's good, man? Good. How you doing? I... Uh, doing better than I deserve, brother. Leaving, living the dream, as they say. Living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you are a new or loyal listener, please feel free to rate and review this podcast. We would certainly appreciate it. If you've been watching us on YouTube, because uh, we are dropping our content again right now on the YouTube channel. Uh, so if you're watching there, definitely give us a like. Uh, and subscribe to the channel as well. And of course, always, always, always share this with another entrepreneur that you know would benefit from this content. Uh, again, we are on episode 81 and we are coming off of the heels of what the WTF is an <laughs> NFT. <laughs> what is an NFT? Like, no, seriously. If you don't know what an NFT is. That is what we're breaking down in the last episode. Uh, which we've definitely gotten uh, some some comments about, some questions. There's been some conversations uh, as we continue to, to not just obviously talk between the two of us, but get into our community of uncompromising entrepreneurs out there. Appreciate y'all, fam. Uh, and also some of the other communities that we're a part of as well. Um, but thank you for asking. I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a good week so far, man. It's been a good week. Uh, the shoulder is doing little bit better um i'm trying not to push it too much but i need to know how to go one speed or you know <laughs> i go hard bro so hopefully mm-hmm. i don't i don't mess it up anymore but i got a few more weeks before i go back and see the progress. orthopedic surgeon yeah and, and see how much progress has been made so um i got back on the heavy bag yesterday for the first time which i have not done man at least three months um and yeah, there was a little bit of, of discomfort in doing that. Again, I was taking it easy, but I, I think <clears throat> I think you know there's a lot that I think went into the arthritis. For those that I don't know if I've mentioned that, uh, but yeah, I have arthritis in the shoulder and the torn labrum. Mm. Um, I think some of that may have uh, attributed to to where I'm at right now and the condition in my left shoulder. So, uh, but anyway, feeling good. Looking forward to to God willing continued healing. Uh, and moving on, but I'm still lifting, bro. So summertime is around the corner. <laughs> Beach body you know, beefcake. Yeah. <laughs> you know how that is. <laughs> was it, was it 9,000? What's the number? Beefcake 9,000? 5,000? What the number was? It was 3,000. Three, beefcake 3,000. Yeah. Like beefcake. 3, calories. <laughs> beefcake. For our South, South Park and Cartman fans out there. Uh, yes classic that's good man no um yeah i've seen i've seen you staying at it which is great um it's good that um it seems like you know you'll be able to resolve the issue with no surgery which is beautiful um just you know honestly you know between the two of us the doctor's been getting a lot of our money recently um (laughs) with um my oldest had a little bit of adventure time with my oldest uh, Geo with uh, him breaking his uh, elbow, his right elbow, um, at oh. you know, um, at school playing. Uh, he said he was playing monkey in the middle or something like that, and took off running and tripped. Which he's always had this like this habit of just like being a little clumsy, like a little 
I don't know how much of it is like truly clumsy, how much is like he just wants to have an excuse to like roll on the ground or something like that and just kind of throw his body and feel like he's invincible. But anyway, yeah. he's running, did that, um, fell on the concrete, landed on his elbow, trying to brace himself. Um, you know, over the course of maybe about two or three days, it took us to, you know, get it diagnosed, get the x-rays, get to the hospital, get to the orthopedic, actually get it, um, uh, actually get it casted up and the whole nine. And so now he's learning how to navigate in life, you know, with this, this cast. Fortunately, he has me as his pops, um, that has a wealth of experience in, uh, operating with broken bones and casts as I've broken my fair share as a, as a young kid. Um, so that was actually helpful to help alleviate some of the anxiety and stuff like that of what to expect. Cause I could just tell him, Hey brother, this is what's going to happen. I remember when I was your age and when I broke my yeah. arms, I broke my wrist. This is what happened. Uh, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, man, everything's good. You know, we're just uh, in the process of, you know, packing and, you know, all the other stuff. And we got a lot of different life events going on. Um, so honestly, potting is a much welcomed, um, you know, kind of break from all the other things that we got going on and just, you know, being able to catch up and talk to our folks and talk about the things that we're passionate about. So, um, you're right, man. Our last episode, we're coming off of, uh, you know, WTF and NFT, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, we knew that we've been spending a lot of time kind of talking about the fact that we're navigating and, um, you know, learning about this space, um, you know, from an investment perspective, from an, from a business perspective, from a creator perspective, all of those things. And, uh, it dawned on us that we haven't really sowed enough seeds for our community in terms of like introducing you all to what, you know, specific, what NFTs are specifically, how they work, and just kind of give you the foundational knowledge so that you can understand why, um, us, you know, us and the business that we're in of helping entrepreneurs, helping creators, helping solopreneurs unlock the value of their skill set and build businesses. Why we're spending so much time studying, consuming, learning, living, breathing in these spaces. Um, what we didn't share with the community um, here recently is that we actually, um, you know, over the course of these past couple of months, just from learning and navigating and Understanding that, you know, when you have a NFT project, you're, you're starting a business. And so there's a lot of, uh, our small business competencies that translate well, well into this space. Um, we've actually been able to ink our first, um, you know, major consulting, uh, deal, uh, with a project for well known mm-hmm. artists and, uh, as they, um, they start up their collection, as they sp- spin up their collection. And, um, so, you know, that's been consuming a good portion of our time as we've helped, um, to, you know, provide the necessary kind of business disciplines and just kind of rigor for that project to, to really help it operate like the business that it is. Um, and so looking forward to bringing those learnings back, but, what I can say is we've had a lot of conversations with other creators in this space, in the communities that we've been a part of. And one of the things you see is people going back and forth on like, should I or should I not start my own project? Should I or should I not start, you know, um, you know, um, a collection and putting my art out there? And you have some folks that are gun ho and very confident because they understand the, the, the utility and they definitely feel like they bring a, a unique value and perspective and they can maybe even migrate their existing fan base into these spaces, um, you know, um, and, um, you know, ink out a following that way. And then you have other folks that are a little pensive because they don't know where to begin. It can, it can seem overwhelming. It can seem daunting. And for both parties, regardless of where they're at on the spectrum, the one thing that we've consistently communicated, um, that we're going to talk a little bit more about here, kind of building off of the NFT and then tying it into some of these core business competencies is that, you know, when you're starting this project, when you're starting, you know, you know, to dive into the world of NFTs as a creator, you have to understand that you are starting a business. You are starting a business. Yes, this is a powerful tool to help unlock the power of ownership 
to allow you to monetize in a way that you weren't able to monetize before to create unique value to cultivate communities right mm-hmm. uh, this this tool allows you to do all of those things but again it's just a tool and that tool is only as effective as the entire toolkit and the person wielding it and how you leverage it right and no different than you know in what we call web two world, right? Which is the non blockchain environment, non blockchain technology, right? For our listeners out there, you know, just like in the web two world where if I'm starting a business or if I start a website and I start offering my services on that website, that doesn't mean I started a business. There's things that I need to have from a discipline perspective to really make it a business. Just cause I started, you know, put my product on a website doesn't make it a business. The same is true in Web3 world, this blockchain world, where just because you meant your art to the blockchain and put an Ethereum price on it does not mean you started a business, <laughs> right? You have to have these business rigors. And so um, I thought it would be actually really effective, maybe for our listeners out there, those who are already in this space and those who are not in this space, to mm-hmm. tie back to what business principles translate to this NFT space and really how we got a masterclass for lack of a better term on display with a recent interview that you and I uh, stumbled across and consumed, um, you know, with uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Which other piece that we wanted to talk about that was uh, glaring and just gems that, that Shaq was dropping in this interview was, was ownership and, and how important that is owning business owning your ip your intellectual property and again just the you know the benefits that that you have using you know this tool of the blockchain and creating something like an nft uh as as an artist mm-hmm. uh, and i guess too you know it, it depends right because we were just having a conversation about some of your your early NFTs that you have created, right? But, you know, it was, some of it was practice, right? As you, it was, you were getting in there learning the process of actually minting an NFT. Uh, and there's some that you've done that are very special and near and dear to, to you and to your family. That doesn't mean that you're trying to, to create a business with those. So, I mean, you might be an artist out there that you have, you know, maybe five pieces that you want to create and mint on the blockchain itself. But I think we've talked about this and, and, I'm thinking back to the conversation that we had with uh, with Alan C. Paul is preparing for success. Mm. You, know, you may be a, tr- a true artist out there that, you know, you have, again, five pieces of art that you want to create and, and mint as NFTs. But what if that blows up and people start demanding more? Uh, and, you know, how do you how do you ensure that you have those fundamentals in place uh, as you think about scaling, bringing this forward uh owning your intellectual property and you know the how important that is to 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 all of us as creators uh but especially somebody who who is an artist and it kind of finds themselves doing that type of work as well um so yeah so i'm I'm definitely excited to, to jump into the conversation uh in response to last episode those conversations and yeah and this this interview that uh we consume from the the fellas at uh, earn your leisure and the conversation they had with Shaq. So, yeah. So, um, I think a good jumping off point is tying it into the ownership conversation, right? Yeah. Cause that's, that's why we've been such advocates for, um, solopreneurs, creators, business, uh, you know, small business owners out there embracing this NFT technology, embracing these concepts because it unlocks ownership to the umpteenth degree. Mm-hmm. It, the technology itself is predicated off the concept of validation of ownership and not just validation of ownership um, for the holder, but unlocking the power of ownership for the creator because of what that allows you to do to your, to your community that owns a piece of your IP, right? Uh, you know, we've, we, we've drawn comparisons to this, like, you know, um, giving out, uh, you know, a share in, in the stock, the stock being you in, in your business or your, your, a creative property or whatever the case may be. But really it's a, it's a way to validate somebody's, um, 
ownership, authentic ownership to a piece of um, property, whether you know, property, entertainment, art, whatever you want to call it, that um, may give them access to additional perks for the community. Okay. Um, and so you're right, you know, just in that, that conversation with Shaq, uh, when he, you know, appeared on Earn Your Leisure, that was one of the prevailing themes was about the importance of ownership and, and him getting beat over the head with that, right? I think it was really impactful when you think about even the timing of when he learned that lesson. So he's sharing the, he's sharing, you know, how ownership got kind of instilled in him. And it really came from an interaction that he had with magic. So at this time, Shaq has, you know, left, left the Orlando magic and going to the, the Lakers. So first and foremost, think about where he's sad at in his career. Magic fans. Yeah. Sad, super Sorry. sad day. <laughs> super sad day, bro. Um, but think of, think about that though, right? He had already been in the league, maybe about four years, five years at that time. Yeah. I think about five. Yeah. So, and he'd already been, um, he had already been to the Eastern conference finals. We didn't make, we didn't make the, the championship. Right. But this is somebody who's already experiencing, um, an unparalleled level of success. He's already had multiple multi-million dollar earning opportunities, right? At this point. So it's after five years of being a multi-millionaire that he first really gets introduced to the concept of ownership. I thought that that was one of the things that stood out to me as impactful. Like, man, you would have thought he would have got introduced to that a lot earlier when he signed some of these endorsement deals in the whole night, but no, he was just blowing through money, right? He talked about the fact that he spent a million dollars in one day. A million dollars in one day, right? Cars, jewelry, and, you know, cars for his dad, cars for his mom, you know, all that stuff. And the next thing you know, the bank's hitting him up like, hey, bro, you you know, you spent a million dollars in one day. He's like, what do you mean? I didn't spend no million. And like when he looked at the statement and he saw that, you know, the tax component too, like, hey, who's FICA? I, I, ain't, pay, say, yeah. I ain't pay no FICA. Exactly. That million became uh, eight five. Right, mm-hmm. eight five, eight hundred, and now you're having to bust that down across, you know, the you know, multiple hundred fifty thousand dollar cars, the jewelry, and all this other stuff, and the Couple taxes associated with that. Fast, yeah, like that, right? Um, and so it was Magic who sat down with him and said, "Hey, bro, you you know, you're living a great life. You have a bu- a blessed opportunity, but like, you really need to focus on ownership. Like, what do you what do you what are you owning? You need to focus on what are you owning." And I thought that was so impactful, especially because, you know, Magic was a trailblazer um, from that perspective of ownership. Um, I shared, you know, with you that I've been, you know, watching the, I guess, mockumentary, if you want to call it that, series, the limited series on HBO Max, a winning time, you know, talking about the rise of the LA Lakers in the 80s when they really became Showtime. Right. This is when Dr. Jerry Buss took over and Magic came and, you know, Kareem was already established and all that good stuff. Um but even through there, you start to see the seeds being planted of the value of ownership, the power of ownership of magic. And he was really a trailblazer um, in the league from that perspective of being a brand outside of the court and starting to find multiple ventures so that he could maximize his lifetime earning potential. And it just kind of really being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that that was just like so impactful that that's the person you get the lesson from, right? (laughs) Of all people, that's the person that you end up getting the lesson from, um, is, is, uh, on ownership and how that conversation really kind of set Shaq on the course where he's at right now, where Shaq has multiplied his earnings, his net worth, you know, multiple, multiple times, like X number of times post basketball life. He's made more outside of basketball than he made um on the court. Um and actually through this, you know, through this interview, we we found out a couple of other examples of folks that he looks up to that have been able to do that on even a much larger scale, right? But mm-hmm. I just thought that was so impactful, like how pivotal 
that conversation, that conversation about ownership from Magic Johnson of all people, the trailblazer of ownership, um, as an athlete, um, was for him and, and kind of, you know, how he approaches business today. Yeah. And how he's really taken advantage of that. Right. So ownership, I think one of the earlier examples that he gave was, you know, as, as he, I'm going to rewind a little bit because this is important too. One of the, the points that he made, which we talk about, right, in research and studying is like he, he truly started to, to want to learn more about business. Uh, at some point, went, went back and got his master's, but ensure that he was putting himself in different, uh, different spaces. You know, he, he talked about the tech industry and going to, to conferences and stuff like that and being able to, to learn and listen to what, you know, these super smart people are saying, what they're talking about, getting ideas from individuals. Um, but somebody approached him about Google and this, this idea <laughs> that they had, uh, obviously very early on. And, you know, that was something that he invested in, right? So mm-hmm. from a stock perspective, he was owner there. Um, but as he continued to, to grow in his career, um, like I didn't realize, man, obviously, you know, if you know Shaq and, and know a lot of the commercials and, and, and businesses that he backs, but he talked about JC Penny. Uh, he talked about, what was the other company? It was JC Penny. Oh, forever 21. Uh, and then the rights to, to Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, and you know, that intellectual property dude is all about ownership. He talked about ring and learning about ring and realizing that, Hey, this is a, a really good product. Um, it's more affordable than some of the other companies and what they're offering. Uh, and again, thinking about his people, thinking about his community and how can I help bring something that is more cost effective to my people. Uh, but in doing it, I was like, nah, I want, you know, X percentage and, you know, I'm gonna do some commercials, you know? So again, he's just brokering these deals, uh, but in some form or fashion, whether it's through stock or actually owning a piece of a company, he's really amassed uh, not just wealth, but again, ownership in multiple brands and multiple companies, uh, which I thought was was super surprising, just not knowing the extent. Um, he talked about Papa John's. You know, mm-hmm. that one is a, that's one that's a little bit more out there because of what happened with the owner of the previous owner of Papa John's and, and you know the controversy and such. But you know, Shaq went in there. Um, and we'll get into this too, his, his collaboration and the, the, the people that he had in his circles allowed him to be able to, to broker a deal that way and also have ownership, uh, and, and a stake in a company like Papa John's. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, man, one of the things like, even in the, that was prevalent, like in the Papa John's example, but also like just kind of the ring example and, you know, kind of all these other ventures before is, you know, time back to one of the principles we teach, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, small business owners, when we're, you know, taking them through our purpose of profits, um, you know, program is the importance of defining your purpose. Mm-hmm. And it was very early on that Shaq found clarity in his purpose from an, from an entrepreneur perspective, what his core belief was, which was if it makes things easier for my people, for people from my background, my culture, my heritage, to be able to partake or have access, then I'm going to invest in it. And that's what I'm going to build my business around. Right. He talked about how, and I didn't know the origin of, you know, how his shoes got into Walmart. Right. But he talked about that story about how he initially had a large deal. He was signed um, with the Reebok, I believe at the time, like major uh, shoe company. And so his shoes were going for, you know, a hundred, 160, 180, $200 a pop coming out, um, you know, from, um, magic arena and one of the fans out there is a mother and she's giving it to him, you know, hey, it's wrong what you're doing to these kids that are just parents that are da, 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 da. like, it's wrong. Your shoes are too expensive. You know, these kids look up to you. They want to have this, but nobody can afford those. And he's like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I don't make the prices. You know, I don't set the prices for the shoes. You know, um, it's, you know, uh, you know, the Reebok does that, but you know, I got some money in my pocket, like here yeah, so you can buy break all some yeah, like, slapped it out of his hand. Yeah. Like, like I want that. Yeah. I don't, I'm not looking for no handout, bro. I'm looking for you yeah. to think about y- y- the message you're sending to these children. Right. And then that's where kind of he, he got clarity on his passion, on his purpose, because he said, man, 
you know, that set with him. He's like, she's right. You know, I remember what it was like being a kid that didn't have, you know, maybe you didn't have a lot. And it's not that you don't want to wear $20 shoes. That's, you know, I remember him saying this clearly. It's not that, you know, kids don't want to, you know, pay $20 for shoes is that they don't want to wear shoes that look like they, they cost $20. Correct. Right. And so that's where he said, okay, my deal with, with Reebok is done. I'm not going to re up. I'm going to do my own brand and my own line, but I want to broker a deal with Walmart. I want to have the price point be around $20, $30, but they're not going to look like they're 20 or $30. And yeah, these kids will still get clowned a little bit just because that's how the nature of the beast is. But there's going to be a lot more folks that are going to be able to afford the shoes of one of the biggest stars in the, in the NBA at the time. Right. Um, and be proud of the quality and the look. And he's like, yeah, I didn't, you know, I wasn't outselling Jordans when we were head to head in foot action, but I've done over four hundred million, four hundred million units, yeah. right, in these shoes, right, at this price point, this twenty bucks, right. And so that was my guiding principle, and he carried that with him with ring, like you said, where you said, man, this allows it, you know, it's cheaper than the other options out there, and it and it's convenient. It it adds to my purpose of convenience. It's accessible. And it's convenient. I'm investing, and I'm going to loan my 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 brand to it and do commercials and stuff like that. Um, and then even when he got his foot in the door with Papa John's, and you know he was advising them on, well, hey, now that I'm here and you guys are having to recover from the the stain that's on the brand, I'm going to be a straight shooter with you guys. You ain't going to, you know, you can't have that type of inflammatory language coming from your founder and be the most expensive. Like my people ain't going to stand for that. You ain't going to talk to us crazy mm-hmm. and try and charge us an arm and a leg. That just, you got to bring the prices down, right? Because again, his guiding principle being the affordability, right? The affordability. And you see that prevalent, man, the, the story about him getting insurance with general. So I, it was, yeah. it was lost on me. I never understood. I'm like, why in the hell is Shaq shopping these general? He's just taking any deal, right? Like that was really me. Like, man, shit, you can hire Shaq for anything, but no, it's deeper than that. So there really is a purpose to all these moves and a history to all these moves. That yeah, sure. bro. So like for our listeners out there who may not be familiar with why Shaq, um, you know, um, has a relationship with the general. It's because when he was in school, when he was at, at LSU, he wanted to buy his first car. He was a junior. He wanted to buy a whip, right? And so he said he took his Pell Grant, which some of us have been there before. You, you take that Pell Grant, it's like, you know, a zero, 0% loan, and I ain't really got to pay it back until <laughs> I graduate, so I got some time, right? So he took his Pell Grant. He said, all right, let me get uh, let me get some of my Pell money, uh, right? And um, it was like the car was like eighteen, uh, $1,500 or something like that. He had like 1800 1800 yep. And so he's like, yeah, so it's a little bit of a hoopty, but it get me to and fro. My first car, yeah, man, I want to buy that. Dude said, all right, cool. Yep, 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 1500 You got eighteen. All right, cool. But I need proof of insurance. So I was like, well, what is that? Proof of insurance. Like, uh, he's like, well, you need, you know, you need insurance. You need to be insured before I can let you leave here with the car. And so he, Shaq went to go look <laughs> for insurance and he got the rates that, uh, uh, young male under the age of 25 <laughs> would get at that time, which is a high rate. <laughs> Right. Um, and he came back. He's like, Hey, man, uh, I can't afford insurance. Nobody's going to insure me. So, like, I need my money back. I can't buy this <laughs> I can't car. Buy this car. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the guy said, Well, hold on. Um, have you checked out the general? And I had no idea that the general had been around that long, but the general offered extremely affordable insurance and accessible insurance. Again, affordability, access, right? Accessible insurance for young kids that made it feasible for Shaq to be able to get insured and be able to get his vehicle and be able to pay his insurance. And it wasn't going to be, you know, $200, $300 a month or anything like that. And so because of that, he said, because of them looking out for me back then, when I got an opportunity where I could lend my brand, I built this brand, I built this reputation and it aligned with my purpose, my passion around affordability, accessibility, I was going to look out for them the way they looked out for me. And that's why you see me in these general commercials that man, that was just so impactful. Right. So 
that's a great example of how understanding your purpose can provide clarity in the moves that you make. And that even when you, when you start to diversify, um, maybe your, 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 your revenue streams or opportunities, you're it's still all rooted in your founding purpose, your founding principles. Like in this instance with Shaq, affordability, accessibility, whether it was car insurance, whether it was pizzas, whether it was shoes, right? It was still coming down to those purpose, that, that same purpose, those singular purpose, uh, purposes. So that's why we stress that so much with our entrepreneurs out there having clarity and purpose because that clarity and purpose will help you navigate these decisions, um, as your business grows. What, what I also really appreciated about the, the Walmart story and just those decisions that he made was also, you know, we've talked about this, right? It's creating your own lane. And I think that's another, another really awesome thing that creatively this NFT space and just the blockchain itself gives you that opportunity to, to truly create your own lane. So getting back to the, to the his, his shoe deal and, um, and Walmart, he knew, again, if I'm selling, you know, this, these shoes that I have with the deal with a, a Reebok, right. And they're in, in Foot Locker and all of these other uh, typical shoe stores, you know, he is, he was going up against the Jordans and mm-hmm. Kobe's and whatever other shoes, but he knew, okay, if I put, one, I create this shoe that's all mine, uh, and we can get that too, with a logo he designed mm. and that he owned. Uh, but I'm going to be the shoe being sold in all of these Walmarts. Like, there's no competition. So forget trying to just, like, stay in my lane. I'm going to create a whole new space for myself, uh, which, again, be- between that and the affordability allowed him to sell as many units as he sold over time. Uh, and I think, again, that was just another another good example of creating your own space um, and being being the leader in in that space. And again, uh, with how early this technology is uh, and creatively, you know, when you come to the table with different ideas, it, it truly gives you that, that opportunity to, to have complete ownership um, of your intellectual property. And again, to create a space for yourself uh, that is like no other mm. and, and to be a leader, you know what I mean? Um, which is important with, with so much noise and, and so many people out there with very similar ideas or concepts, which is cool. Cause if you can still be the best, then that's great. Right. Um, but it's also great again to, to, to create a whole different, forget a whole lane. I'm creating a whole new highway, my own pathway, you know, and blazing this trail for myself and for my team and our business and what we're trying to do. So another thing that I think is, is super beneficial about NFTs and the blockchain itself. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, um, you know, you talked about, we talked about ownership, you know, we talked about uh, clarity and purpose. Um, what I also appreciated too, <clears throat> you know, just uh, kind of hearing him walk through uh, how he navigates some of the, some of these uh, business ventures, right? And you touched on this a little bit is, you know, he gave a perfect example about the power of collaboration, um, so going back to kind of his, uh, Papa John's opportunity that he was able to broker and, you know, for those that have been rocking with us for a minute, you know, we've talked about this extensively. We've done a couple of different episodes, just talking about the importance of collaboration, you know, understanding the team that you're building, um, the whole nine. And this is a great example of how that power of collaboration can actually open up additional doors for you. Um, so Shaq shares the fact that they were looking, he was looking to get into a franchise, and specifically Papa John's prior to kind of the controversy around the owner and the owner's uh, views when it came, when it came to race. Um, but he could, they would never entertain, mm-hmm. you know, um, him being a, a franchise owner, you know, him having uh, equity. Right. And so it never got done. Fast forward you know, the situation plays out where, um, it comes out, you know, the, the founders, um, views on race and, you know, um, just derogatory statements. Um, all right. The, obviously the company is reeling and then his boy, his homeboy says, Hey, I need you to, I need you to come with me. We about to go holla at Papa John's <laughs> like what them after all this, he's like, yep, I know, but just trust me. 
Um, you know, there's a great opportunity to, you know, to have some influence, to have a seat at the table. Um, and Shaq mentions, you know, that he didn't share with people what he was doing or why he was doing because he knew that there could potentially be, you know, backlash, controversy, the whole nine. But for him, this business opportunity aligned with his founding principles, his principles as an investor, his principles as an entrepreneur. He said, well, look, I'm a, um, I'm a, I have an opportunity to potentially not just have a seat at the table, but also have a voice at the table, right? To be able to speak at that table, yeah. right? And so why would I pass that up? And so when he came in, you know, him and his boy, um, have the opportunity to basically run the stick up and say, Hey, this is your situation now. I know what I bring to the table. I understand the power of my brand, right? And I want to talk a, a little bit more about brand after this, but I know the power of my brand. In order for this to work out, these are the things that we need, right? We need this. We need this. We need this. You know, I need, uh, I need franchises. I need equity and I need to have input on the direction of the business moving forward. I need to be able to influence decisions at the board. It sits on the board. Yep. I need to be able to influence decisions at the board level. So I need to sit on the board so I can have um, influence over the direction that this company goes and that my people's, my people's values, perspectives are represented at the, at the biggest table possible for this, this company. And they said, yes. And he did the deal. Right. And even after the deal, they're like, man, this is, you know, we're not seeing any traction. You know, um, you know, we still haven't fully recovered from, from the backlash here. It seems like there's issues, um, especially, you know, um, in the African American community. Like, what can we do there? And, uh, you know, Shaq said, Hey, uh, pr- permission to speak frankly. Right. And again, what we already talked about, you know, he shared with them candidly that you can't have that type of, you know, view, worldview about a group of people and also be more expensive. Like, you don't have to pick a struggle, right? Basically, he said, pick a struggle, mm-hmm. right? Either, um, you're going to be, uh, racist and cheap or you're going to be, are you going to be, right? Are you going to be accepting and expensive, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously a little tongue in cheek, but it's like, you can't have, you can't have both of those circumstances exist. We're not going to respond to that, right? You've done some things from, uh, um, you know, from a doing the right thing perspective in terms of getting rid of the founder and all that stuff. But like now the economics still don't make sense. You need to bring the prices down. You have to figure out a way to bring the prices down. We have to do that. Right. And they were able to get it done. Right. And so um, think about going back to your point around the power of collaboration, the doors that get opened, the doors that are open because of a relationship that you may have with somebody else that brings you into that space, right? That brings you into that space. And maybe they're already solidified there. Maybe they've established some relationships or rapport with other individuals. And because of the nature of your relationship with that individual, now you have an opportunity to partake, to influence. I mean, let's be real, you know, from what he shared, absent of that you know, his, his boy, his friend approaching him and saying, Hey, we're going to go have this conversation. Shaq may not have ever gotten an an opportunity to meet with Papa John's and be able to run the stick up and say, Hey bro, I I need to sit on the board, right? You wouldn't give me a one franchise before. Now you're going to give me multiple franchises. I'm going to have equity and I'm going to sit on the board, right? Mm -hmm. Just how quickly that power dynamic shifts. So, um, you know, the power, the, the, the power of collaboration can be like a game changer, a game changer, especially when you're nurturing these relationships and you're at least open and trusting of the relationships you've established to at least go and entertain the conversation. Yeah. I mean, even the, the, the situation that we're in now, I mean, the, I do think that part of what has allowed us to, to get to where we're at right now, which you mentioned at the beginning is, uh, you know, the opportunity that we have to, to consult with, with this uh, project, that, that was a community that you were part of, right? And you told me about the project, you told me about the art, um, you know, I started kind of, you know, putting my toe in the water and, and you know, joining the, the discord and the community and just, you know, looking around and stuff like that. Um, but it was really on the the strength of the relationships you had uh, and the trust that you built that once once I started to interact more uh, and people started to see not just what you bring to the table, but what we bring to the table as a team that 
oh, okay, these cats are serious, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and continuing to, to add value where we can uh, in our own unique way as individuals, but also in our own unique way as a team um, allowed us to, to be able to get to that point, you know, where, again, we're um, officially consulting and helping this this project to, uh, to mint out and, and to, to just hopefully have short-term but even long-term success uh which has been exciting so i think that's just another another good example again your inner circle man your inner circle collaboration uh and how that can open doors for you and just the power of community as well Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and 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 thinking about your community and the decisions that you make which is another the community aspect which we talked about is just another are really, I think, not necessarily unique. It's just different in this in this in this space. Uh, when I think about you know Web 3.0, uh, and then this NFT community, and just the type of of, uh, and it's not like that in every project, uh, but definitely the one that we found ourselves in. Um, it is it it's proven itself to be something special. Um, yeah, there's a couple of right. others that. Yeah, exactly. When you're doing it right, you know how powerful that could be uh, when a community rallies around each other, not just because of people just trying to make money, because there's a purpose. They see the purpose behind what you know these individuals are trying to do, um, and they want to they want to be a part of it, and they want to back that purpose. For sure. I mean, you know, with some of these more blue chip projects that folks may be familiar with, you know, like Bored Apes and stuff like that, like, yeah, the the utility and when we talk about utility it's essentially what perks do you get access to by being an owner of this ip right of this nft the utility that sometimes gets focused on with board apes for example is not really the utility that creates the value that it has the floor that it has right people focus on like okay you get access to yacht parties and stuff like that right that's important. That's a portion of it, but that's not really where the value is. The value is the access to the community of other individuals that are holders that come from all of these various walks of life that are successful in various fields that you get to network with now because you are a holder just like they are. And we are a part of this exclusive project where there's only so many that exist Right. Nobody can nobody can make new ones. Right. They're not making new ones. So the only way to be a part of this, quote unquote, club is to buy into it, to be able to have access. The same with V friends. Right. Again, it's the the access to the community that it affords you to of these individuals mm-hmm. who are, um, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, folks that are focused on growing, scaling, all this stuff that have done it uh, multiple times over that have had multiple six and seven figure exits that now you can occupy the same space. And they're literally, um, you know, a couple of characters away in the discord. They're an emoji away in the discord. Um, Facts. And so, you know, for us in the, the community that, that, um, you know, we're helping to consult with and serving the project, that's where the value has come from is the, the greatest utility is the community. Even the dialogue that we were having today, you know, with uh, folks around, Hey, I'm getting ready to interview. You know, I'm interviewing for these two positions. Um, I'm really interested in this one specifically. I think I prepared well, but I don't know. And just the flood of responses of, Okay, hey, these are some of the things you need to t- to take into consideration. If I were you, I would do this. I would go and get this certification. It's free, but it's going to give you this foundational information knowledge so that you can speak to it in the interview. Follow this interview technique and and tactics. Take this into consideration. You got somebody else saying, "Hey, I've been in that space, that industry for X number of years." Use if recommendation, you, hit me up. Yeah, yeah, reach out to me. I got. I'll tell you the questions and things that you need to be thinking about. Like. That's the, the, the utility. That's the value, right? And so think about that as an entrepreneur, as a creator that's entering this space and deciding to stand up these projects is it's not just, you know, people being able to purchase the art, right? It's not just that. That's a portion of it, but it's about what that, that purchase, that token, that NFT allows them access to. The other folks that are a part of that community that are attracted to your art and those folks that are collectors of art. And what does that mean for the other folks that are collectors that are getting put on to new projects that are 
um, you know, getting access to resources or networking with individuals who are well versed in certain things and they can educate you, all of this stuff, right? And so to your point, man, community is so, so, so important. Uh, going back to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, talking about, you know, Shaq and, and brand, and you mentioned this, I, I wanted you to kind of elaborate a little bit more for our uncompromising, uh, community. But you mentioned that, uh, you know, he had the foresight to not just create his own lane, create his own highway, but to do so with a brand that he created himself years ago. Right. So I wanted you to maybe talk a little bit more about that and provide some color into, uh, to what do you mean by that brand that he created himself years ago? I mean, it, you know, we, we have, I would think we have listeners all around the world. So shout out to, to all of our folks outside of the United States uh, that again, are loyal listeners of the uncompromising entrepreneur podcast, but Shaq is definitely one of those people. I think everybody knows who Shaquille O'Neal is, but he, dude is just, he's hilarious. The, the whole interview, again, he was just, he was real, he was raw, he was uncut, and, and just really Shaq. Um, but this, this piece was interesting to me as well, because when you look at Shaq's shoes, his logo, similar to Michael Jordan's company and brand, you have the Jumpman. Mm-hmm. And Shaq mentioned this, though, that while... Michael Jordan has been wildly successful and does have his own brand, his own company. It's still tied to Nike. Um, but he realized that he, again, he, he, he wants to go a different route. So his logo that has been uh, a part of his shoe brand for this whole time, I actually thought that that came from, you know, some image while he was in the NBA. Um, and actually, I, I really thought when he broke the backboards yeah um like they literally had to change how they how they make uh and construct backboards in the nba because of how dominant and powerful uh this man was at the time Um, i thought that's where that came from but he tells the story about you know being in a business class and and having to as you know one of the the assignments having to create a, a business plan and come up with this brand uh, and he actually created that logo, which he calls Dunk Man. So Jordan, he, he's like, Jordan has a jump man. I'm going to have the Dunk Man. Um, but he created, he literally drew that and created that logo himself. Um, and made the whole presentation. And, you know, his professor was basically just shooting him down and saying, like, like no, like, this is horrible. This is not going to work. Um, you know, and especially at that time, you know, big men in the NBA, they just don't sell. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen like that. Um, so that's a, kind of another part of the story, how he was just like, forget you. You don't know what you're talking about. And just that mindset of an entrepreneur, like, I'm not going to listen to that noise. I believe in my passion, in my purpose, in this vision that I have, and I'm going to push forward with that. Um, but yeah, man, he he created this, this, this whole logo, um, again, which he called the Dunk Man. And I think that's the logo piece, but within the branding, you know, going back to how, what that professor said also affected him. He said, you know what? I don't know if it was necessarily an intentional thought at the beginning, but Spud McKenzie was, uh, was a, a big, uh, I guess you know, I won't say icon, but like an influencer, a, a brand or part of a, a marketing campaign is really what Spud McKenzie was. Mm-hmm. It was a marketing campaign for Bud Light, I believe, uh, which was a dog uh, and all the commercials that would be like, I studied Spud McKenzie and how they were utilizing this, this dog and this image uh, from an entertainment perspective. And I think Shaq is just a naturally kind of funny and, and, you know, quirky guy like that. For sure. Um, but he used he I think he really just grew that even more to to create altogether this brand and how he was going to, as a big man, entertain people. Um and I just thought that 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 whole piece was was phenomenal, man. But you know, he but he he gave a lot of different examples of how he again listened to what other people were doing, very observant, researching, studying, and saying, "Okay, I see what they're doing. I'm just going to do this." Um, and it worked out. You know, again, you know, for somebody like Michael Jordan, I think they were saying that the picture that was taken that they used to create that logo, the, for the man, jump man, 
I think sold for like ten thousand dollars. But again, Michael doesn't own any of that stuff. Nope. They paid the they paid the photographer ten thousand dollars for the photo. Um, and then super cheap based on everything that they do with it after Super cheap, bro. Like it was pennies on the dollars, bro. Yeah, for Um, sure, for sure. Like maybe even fractions of a penny if you were going to be real about it. Um, but, um, yeah, paid him 10,000, maintained the IP and like Jordan doesn't even own his own logo. Right. Um, and so you're, you're right, man. There's, there's definitely some lessons in there. One about kind of that uncompromising belief. Right. That he had himself, even when the professor said, like, hey, man, they ain't going to work. Big men don't sell. And he was undeterred. He's like, well, I'm not. That doesn't mean I'm scrapping this. Like, I got to f- solve for that now. That's a new problem. And you've heard us mention this time and time again for our, our listeners out there that entrepreneurs are problem solvers. So, like, when a new problem presents itself, our instinct is to figure out how to how to fix it. Right. How to how to maneuver the Rubik's Cube to the side looks how looks like how it's supposed to. And then we move on to the next one. And so there you see, again, just Shaq's natural entrepreneurial instincts of that's not going to work. He didn't scrap the idea. He said, no, okay, well, how do I solve for that? Right. How do I solve for that? And just having that orientation made him open to being able to be influenced with, you know, brands like Spud McKenzie and stuff like that. Right. And gleaning what he was able to glean from that and marrying it with his natural skill set and talent of just being a big personality and being somebody who's humorous. Right. Um, so you got you got that component <clears throat> about being uncompromising from that perspective. Um, but you also have, um, you know, from a. A a ownership perspective, like the mindset to be able to say like i need to retain rights to this and he takes it even a step further cuz he's built out this brand now right and he talks about how he eventually parlayed that the brand that he built on his own to actually earn or own more brands right so he talked about um he had built up the the brand, the Shaq brand to a point where another company wanted to come in and purchase the brand from him and say, hey, we want to have access. We want to own the rights to your brand. It's several, 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 several million dollar deal, multi-million dollar deal, right? He then takes the money from that sale and buys shares of that company so that now he's the second largest shareholder in the company, meaning that not only does he have more voting influence, but now he doesn't just own a portion of the Shaq brand, right? His own brand, but he also owns a portion of every other brand IP that this company owns. That includes Marilyn Monroe. That includes JC Penney's. That includes Forever 21. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he mentioned Elvis Presley. <laughs> like, yeah, right, he yes, mentioned El- about Elvis, Elvis Presley. Presley yes. Right. So now you, you go from, Owning a hundred percent of the Shaq brand that you built, right? To owning, you know, 30, 40% of the Shaq brand, the Marilyn Monroe brand, the Elvis Presley brand, right? The, um, the Forever 21 brand, the JCPenney brand, these five iconic brands, right? Five, six iconic brands where now that's a great example of being able to diversify your income streams. Cause what happens if the Shaq branding hot no more? What happens if the company buys a Shaq brand and say, yeah, we off that, right? We ain't doing nothing. We still still got Elvis. Yeah, we still got Elvis. We still got Maryland. We good, right? Well, exactly. Like Shaq said, well, we still got Elvis, right? If if they decide to not put any type of backing behind the Shaq brand, I'm going to be okay, right? Because I I own all these other IPs. And so um, I thought that was just another just invaluable lesson about the importance of ownership, but also diversification, right? Diversification and... um, you know, he mentioned, um, you know, some of the folks that he looked up to that, that kind of instilled that, you know, he shared, um, and, um, he shared the story of Junior Bridgman, his basketball player. For those who don't know Junior Bridgman, um, if you were to Google or look up the, the wealthiest, the wealthiest NBA players, you know, after, you know, outside of the NBA, like after NBA, Junior Bridgman would be number one. 
and you've probably never heard of him before because he was not known or regarded for his basketball prowess. He's not somebody who was a Hall of Famer in any respect or anything like that. In fact, the most he earned in a year was maybe about three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand a year in any given season of playing basketball. But what he was known for is Junior Bridgman actually spent his off seasons working at Wendy's so that he can understand the mechanisms of how the business worked. And then he took his, you know, 10 years worth of basketball earnings and over that time period acquired Wendy's franchises to the point that he was the second largest franchise owner for Wendy's in the world. He took a 10 year and 10 years is nothing to shake a stick at. That's really impressive in the NBA. But he took a 10-year NBA career as a average basketball player, role player, and parlayed that into a $700, $800 million business empire post-basketball through franchise ownership. Mm-hmm. And... That was somebody that Shaq looked up to in terms of his entrepreneurial prowess and how you can navigate effectively as an entrepreneur a life outside of basketball and multiply your earnings. You hear these stories of all these folks who are professional athletes and the peak of their earning is during the peak of their time playing. And then after that, they lose it all. You know, they don't have great financial discipline, the whole nine. And, you know, for some of these folks, you know, you, you know, to spend 10 years in the league is a blessing, right? So you got some yeah. folks are getting drafted at 18. And now you're telling me that at 28, I've gone through my peak earning. And now I have to make the rest of that money work for me from 28 to, you know, end of life. And even beyond that, if I'm talking about leaving generational wealth, that's a very tall task. Right. And so you have to have the right entrepreneurial disciplines, foundations and stuff like that in order to keep that going. And not only did Shaq keep it going, not only did Junior Bridgman keep it going. Right. But they actually multiplied their earning. They grew their earnings outside of basketball to the point where these both of these gentlemen have made more in the entrepreneurial space, the entrepreneurial arena than they've ever made in any basketball arena. Right. Um, which I thought was just like uh, super, super impactful. Nah, so many lessons, man. So many lessons, so many gems uh, from Shaq and and listening and learning from who he's learned from and who he's looked up to. Um, one of the last things I want to say too, man, you, you spoke to, you know, the the values that, that Shaq has and how that helped to determine the the business ventures and how he made his decisions and how he moved forward. You know, but I also think about, again, that mindset of, you know, being uncompromising in who he was because even going back to, to hearing what that professor told him. And I think about all of the other, all of, you know, the big men really in history, but it definitely even some of the greats that were still there in the league when, when Shaq was coming into the league. Again, it it is part of, uh, of his personality, but he chose, so I think one of the values as well is he is a true trailblazer. Like he's like, I'm going to do it my way and forget what people say. Uh, when I think about David Robinson, when I think about Akeem Olajuwon, when I think about, um, and I used to be a Knicks fan. I'm, I'm failing Patrick Ewing. right now. Uh, thank you. Patrick Ewing, like none of those players. And even if, again, going back to, to other big men uh, previous to that, now, his dominance, his speed, his size, but it was his personality and how he took that and parlayed all of those things that I am done. He was a big kid, still is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he played that so well and allowed people, I say played that, but he, I think he truly allowed people to see who he was, um, which may have caused friction. That's a whole other story <laughs> between him and Kobe uh, and their time together. Um but he spoke about that. Mm-hmm. Like he he kept it real and true to who he, to who he was. Right, he was uncompromisingly me. Mm-hmm. That was his mindset. Um, you know, he talked about when when Kobe was was obviously super hard worker, mama mentality, doing all these things. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna work, but I'm gonna go to the club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna work, but I'm going to do this as well." When Kobe was work, 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 this was me, and he wasn't gonna change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think you know that that also helped to to drive 
who he was then, who he is now. But again, a lot of the decisions that he made to say, no, I'm going to be a trailblazer in this space. I'm going to do it my way. And how that has just paid off for him. It's also paid off for the people that he's been able to to help along the way by providing um, accessibility, lower cost products, but that was still very uh, great and, and good quality, um, which, again, I think were all powerful statements that uh, that he made in, in this interview. But of course, powerful statements that he's made in what he's actually done, not just what he's talked about, but what he had actually done is continuing to do as, as an entrepreneur and as a businessman. Yep. Agreed, man. Agreed, 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 agreed. Yeah, it was a great interview. Yeah. So, Uncompromising Family, a um, lot of gems that, that we dropped, again, from things that we learned by listening to this interview. Uh, and, and again, talking about, you know, some some parallels and, and some some connections that we felt were strong when it comes to this NFT space, uh, this Web3 space and, and ownership uh, and, you know, creating not just your own lane, but creating your own highway and being a leader in this space and, and ownership and all of those things that are important and benefits uh, when it comes to to creating NFTs and, and to creating your own your own project, your own community. Um, but also doing so um, with the foundational principles that are important for any business, uh, which are our cornerstone to our values and and what we teach and what we coach when it comes to purpose and profits. Uh, So again, we hope that you enjoyed this episode, episode 81 of the Uncompromising Entrepreneur Podcast. You know the deal. Like, subscribe, share. We appreciate that. Uh, you know, some folks want to hear uh, our banter. They want to hear the nuggets that were dropped because uh, we're still dropping golden nuggets on your head. That is what we do. Uh, that is one of our goals. Um, we love to teach. We love to talk. You know that. But we love to teach and we love to to provide uh, some thoughts and lessons and hopefully inspiration that are going to help you along your journey as you look to pursue your own purpose, create profits and build legacy. legacy. Yes, sir. So until next time, to our folks out there, God bless y'all. Stay encouraged.